0: I think I have a different perspective I know I'm tough I birthed a baby now so and they say that pregnant or postpartum women get a little faster so I'm hoping that kind of helps me a little bit um and just like I just want to be able to get back to like just from the ground and build myself up because I want to run for myself like all this stuff that I'm telling you about that I want to do is not for a sponsorship not for the likes it's for myself so just really going in with yeah different mindset and just knowing like I am a mom now this is a, a hobby that I'm pretty I'm pretty good at I just want to see how much my body can push its limit and not have any other pressures external pressures put on me
1: Hello podcast world, welcome to episode 51 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Allison Cleaver is a peds nurse by day and mama to a six-month-old beautiful baby girl Molly and an elite runner. It's a lot to juggle. She's still figuring out the stroller miles, is working hard to rebuild her body, and giving herself grace. She's fiery, feisty, and fast. At 32, she's already put together an amazing running resume, ran in the past two Olympic trials marathons with a 2.36 PR at CIM, won the Indy Monumental half at a time of 1.12.47, 5.33 pace per mile, and bigger things lie ahead. Someone with those running creds usually had a prodigious high school career, was highly recruited to a top university, and hit the pro circuit. I think that's what makes Allison's story so interesting and inspiring. She didn't start running until 16. In her youth, she tagged alongside dad on her bike on his two-mile loop and ran it for the first time in the third grade. They bonded, she enjoyed the feeling it gave her, started at 16, and never looked back ran two years of high school. Then mom calls Coach Sisson on his second day on the job at University of Texas to ask what it takes to run there. He tells her mom he'll keep an eye out, watches her run, likes her fire, tells her he believes in her and wants her on the team, from a dream to run at UT to making it as a walk-on against all odds. They formed a strong nine-year partnership and he became a key mentor, Allison says, Steve was awesome and his energy helped me propel to the athlete I am today. After moving to Houston in 2016 for nursing school before coming back home to Austin, Allison met and began working with another great coach, Steve Magnus, and they're accomplishing great things together today. I'm so excited to follow Allison's inspiring journey to another Olympic trials marathon qualifier and the fastest version of herself. I hope you all enjoy this one as much as we did, so let's dive on in and take a listen. Good afternoon, Allison Cleaver. welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs, NYC. How you doing today?
0: I'm doing great, Ron. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. What's going on down there in the ATX, man? I guarantee you it's pretty toasty.
0: (laughs) Well, it's super hot, so it's not getting any easier. I've been in Texas all my life and think that every summer is going to get better, and it doesn't. So,
1: Yeah, it's the heat zone. You're trapped. It's, it's melting. I mean, it probably doesn't even matter what time you get try to get your runs in. It doesn't even matter, right? You're still going to be drenched and soaking and, and suffering, right? Yep. And then we got them Texas Hills too. So you got that going for you.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Cool. Cool. So um, why don't you just do a little intro to the Run Chats audience on where you grew up, what family life was like. Tell everybody a little about yourself.
0: All right, so I'm Allison Cleaver, and I am a new runner mom. I am six months postpartum. Prior to that, um, I have been—I've been a runner since I was 16 years old, and so I was a late bloomer. But then started running in college at UT Austin, Hookem Horns. And, um, I also became a nurse, so I have, I'm both a runner and a nurse and now a new mom and juggling the life of all of that during a pandemic. So there's a lot of things that have been changing and just a lot of the unknown is crazy. So, um, just trying to take it one day at a time and enjoy my, the, the different hats that I wear. So
1: love it. A lot of moving parts. And if I remember correctly, you're a pediatric nurse, right?
0: Yes, I am definitely a pediatric nurse. I don't think I could do adults. Um, I have been a nurse for two years. I actually started nursing when the pandemic hit. I started February 2020, uh, so last year, right before the shutdown. So I got super lucky. And also, with all the changes, have just become a nurse at just a weird time and just just, you know, the changes that happened with COVID have been just every, every day something's new.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hard hit beyond belief. And, um, you know, working with young, young children, you know, makes it even that much more, you know, more stress is there in the situation, uh, particularly when parents, you know, really can't even get in the room and all of those things that really aren't people that aren't involved in healthcare. And I work in healthcare technology myself. So I understand those stresses and levels you know, my mom ended up in the hospital, not for COVID, just had a really bad, um, you know, urinary urinary tract infection. And she has lymphoma and other, you know, conditions that are seriously worrisome um, for contracting COVID. And we were just so nervous that she was going to get COVID while she was in the hospital because it was rampant at that point. And luckily she didn't. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, our lives have never been the same, right? It's just, uh, we're we're on this like, I don't know, it's Groundhog Day, seemingly, even when, <laughs> I know. You, you know, even when we think we're through and we're over it, there's like, we're going to just keep coming up with new variant names and everything else. And, you know, and we'll just keep canceling races forever. So, you know, at least, at least, you know, you have a young baby at home, so you don't have to really worry about it as much, right? You're not like probably in your full grind mode like you normally would be, right?
0: Correct. Not yet, but hopefully soon.
1: Yeah, yeah. So right now it's all about learning how to get the stroller miles in and get that get that system together.
0: That is very hard.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because it's one of the first things I always talk to new moms about when I have them on the show, and they're so different. It's either, absolutely not, I don't want to run one mile in the stroller, I don't want to be with my kid, my daughter, I want to just get away from the house and leave you know, the new baby with with husband and and or grandparents or whomever's there, you know, to get that break. And others are just like so into the stroller miles. And, you know, obviously I didn't have any babies, but I am a dad. And those miles, man, were the most precious ever. And I will never forget a good buddy of mine had just turned 40 and they just had their first. Um, he was a dad, you know, stepdad too her other uh, daughter, and he just remembers me talking about it over and over and over again because I remember, I mean, my son's feet would be flipping up and down in the stroller and he'd be belly laughing. I'm going up and down the hills of Central Park and he just loved it. And other kids don't, you know, you just, you really don't know. You don't know until you get out there and you get your routine and you got to figure out what you're going to pack in the stroller and all the other stuff and what time you're going to go and what's, what's a good time for them to nap because usually once they get moving, Sleep happens, which is a good thing, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, because mom needs sleep. I mean, you know, sleep is not easy to come by when you're working on the pediatric nursing floor and you got a newborn. So you know, you gotta you gotta squeeze it in there where you can, right?
0: Hmm. Yes. Yes.
1: So let's talk a little about how sports as a kid, because I know you were super well rounded and you were really into dance, which is uh I love it, man. I'm most I think <laughs> I've had pretty much something. A little bit of everything on this show, but not as not the variety of dance that you were into. So tell us a little bit about that.
0: So my sister, so my big sister was in dance when she, my mom put her, my parents put her in dance like when she was, I think three or five. So they kind of did the same thing with me. I started dance when I was three and was in ballet, all the things, point, jazz, tap, ballet, or I already said that, um, hip hop. So I was doing that all throughout, um, through high school and I never was in any kind of other sports. I wasn't in soccer, um, which was kind of funny because they put my big sister in soccer and I think, I think a softball too. So that I actually never got to experience those other types of sports. So when I guess with my dad being a runner and him noticing that I could, I had pretty good endurance. I got into running um, at 16. So pretty late, but yes, I have some dance moves and I can, I still, I can still own a dance floor till this day. So I haven't lost all my dancing ability.
1: This is so clutch. I mean, you know, we are we are going to YouTube at some points. So if you want to bust out, if you want to bust bust out some moves before you roll out of here, you know, it'll definitely be. Uh, we'll probably get way more views on YouTube if you go that route. I mean, you know, who knows or 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 not? I mean, we oh. we really don't know. We're just going off what you're saying at this point, but it's <laughs> it's super cool. So you had a sister who did some team sport, but also dance, and you were you were dancing. Obviously, your dad was the runner. So the dad, your dad was like the hook in. And learning a little bit about that, you had endurance and what was going on. So, were you guys tight? Did you guys like connect with running or like through running, or how how did that work?
0: Yeah, we actually did because there was a two mile route around my house that my sister and I would bike with my dad while he ran. And he figured two miles isn't that long for him. Like we could easily do it as young girls. And whenever we came back home, my sister would be dying, and I'd be like, "Dad, I'm ready to go again. Like let's go again." <laughs> And he was just, obviously, he was tired. So he's like, no, Allison, we'll wait. So that's when he kind of knew. And with that and, and him seeing that excitement I had for, I mean, just being able to bike pretty easily, he then, when I got older, which probably was in maybe mid-elementary school, is when he took me on my first run with the two-mile route that we did. And we kind of just slowly started doing that as a, father and daughter. And I just realized how much like, wow, this is awesome. I like, it sucks kind of like during it, but like, I love the satisfaction being done.
1: Super cool intro to the sport. Um, it's absolutely the best. Uh, you can't, you can't beat that kind of connection, whether it's with your mom or dad, or it could be many times it's an older sibling too, in larger families where somebody just really looked up to an older sister or brother who was into it and got into it. And that's how they kind of found their way in. Um, but your family connection, you got a lot of runners in your family. Yes, I I, do. I know when I was like scrolling through your Instagram bio, I saw a picture. I'm pretty sure it was your grandfather in like the 1980 Boston Marathon. And I was like, oh yeah, we're going to have fun talking, man. Because I ran in the hundredth Boston in 1996. So I didn't run in 1980, but you got the (laughs) roots, man. See, that's where, that's where it all comes from. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I have that picture. My grandpa gave me that picture. So it's hung up. He's, he's still around Um, and he still walks every day, but he's kind of also uh, just been a huge inspiration to me through this sport. And it's, it's definitely a family. I mean, it's definitely in my genetics that, uh, running has been a passion of mine.
1: Love it. Yeah. So the grit and the endurance and that grind, it's all in there. It's all baked in there. And many times we don't know it. We don't know it at all. You know, you don't need it like a DNA test or something. But if you really did know your family tree, many times it is a grandparent or somebody extended that maybe they weren't even an athletic person, like with sports. Like my mom never played any sports. She was raising three boys a year and a half <laughs> apart. But uh, my mom's endurance. She'll take down anybody, man. She's just <laughs> feisty. And as tough as they come, a little tiny little Irish woman, man, you don't want to mess with yeah. her, man. She'll chew you <laughs> up and spit you out. And, you know, multiple cancers, lymphoma, everything. And then she ended up getting COVID because she lives with my younger brother and, you know, they all got it because there's no way when one person in the household gets it, everybody's getting it. I don't care how diligent you're being. And, you know, she ended up having the highest pulse oxygen out of all of them while they were, you know, going through it, while they were home quarantining. And she, she just like rolled out of there. She's going to be 89 in like two weeks. So yeah, wow. so you get it. You got your dad, you got your grandpa and I got basically I get the endurance stuff from my mom. So it's pretty (laughs) cool. And then you get to pass it down. And, uh, and, you know, with kids, I mean, now you've got you know basically a few is it 6 months old a few months old yeah, is it, six months. so 6 mm-hmm. months my god so young so you're like a billion years into the future before you could even try to put that influence on her it's a it's a it's a girl right you have a daughter right it
0: is a girl what's yes.
1: what's her name
0: her name's Molly Cleaver
1: Molly Cleaver so we don't know yet what what's up for Molly but we're just going to let Molly roll whatever way she goes and hopefully those stroller miles will get her thinking like this is this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to rip it like mom and uh, I want to be speedy. So, um, so in high school that was it late in high school when you actually started actually running as I know you ran at UT, which is a huge place to run by the way. So we're going to, we're going to definitely dig in there, but so you, you must have started running in high school first, right?
0: Yeah. I started summer before my junior year of, of high school. I started, I started very late.
1: <laughs> that is really late. Okay. <laughs> and how did it go?
0: It went well. So I actually started because my dad found an ad from my high school newspaper about cross country tryouts were happening like later that week. So my dad called the coach, the high school coach and said, Hey, my daughter, Allison, like she kind of runs a little bit, You she, no, I think she's good, but, uh, she, we're interested, like how, like, what do we have to do? And then the coach was like, well, she can be on my JV team. Like we get, we welcome everyone. Like can't guarantee that she's top seven, but she's more than welcome to join. So I came to practice and I was the second fastest girl (laughs) and just rolled everyone. And I got put on varsity like a couple weeks later, I had to kind of prove myself, but my high school coach just was in awe of what, like what he was seeing.
1: (laughs) That is, that's super cool. And, um, I think one of the things I enjoy the most, and I'd love to get guests to open up about is, you know, our connections with sometimes it, it is a running coach specifically. It could be a history teacher, a science teacher, someone who really encourages us to write or find, develop artistic skills. But he was, he was definitely somebody you admired, right? Your high school coach and somebody you still look up to, right?
0: Yes. Hands down.
1: So we got to give him a shout out.
0: Yes. Toby Howell, the man, the OG.
1: (laughs) All right. So there's your OG. So we got him. And then we, you know, so from there, you know, you walk on, well, everybody walks on in high school, Uh, but I mean, you're, you don't even really know if you're going to be on JV, you're in two weeks, you're on varsity and you're ripping it and you're doing really well. And uh, what ended up being like your favorite stuff? Were you, were you like mile two mile? Were you doing steeple? Were you doing DMRs? Like what, what were you doing?
0: Like in high school, we just had the two mile, okay. so it wasn't five k like it is now. And but two miles felt like forever, and it's funny <laughs> how like that's a joke now. But yes, I was a, a predominant two miler. Sometimes I dabbled dabbled into the mile, but just longer the better.
1: Got it. And uh, the the UT situation getting to getting to run for for the Longhorns, which is epic, by the way. Um, were you recruited? Did you make it there as a walk on? How did that process work for you?
0: Yeah. So that's funny. So my mom actually called Steve Sisson on his second day. That's the sorcerer,
1: by the way. Yeah. I helped give him that nickname. So (laughs) Sisson is the man.
0: My mom, or even Steve the State doesn't, or remembers my mom calling him on a second day on the job because my mom's like, what does it take for my daughter? You know, she really wants to run for UT. Like, what does it take? And I don't remember what he said, but he's like, whenever she comes to, to Texas a year later, like I will welcome her to the team and at least see how she does during practice. So I joined the team. I did a practice. And then he pulled me aside. He goes, I want you on this team. So I was like, holy moly, like I'm (laughs) running for, and I've always wanted to be at the university of Texas. Obviously, you know, it's the biggest and the best school in Texas, um, or in the nation rather. And I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be at a big school. I wanted to just, I knew I wasn't done with running because I ran so late. I started so late. So I knew I had more left in me and I was just Thanks to Steve, he believed in me and I was able to compete all four years. And I those are the best years.
1: That's awesome. What a what a great story. Uh Steve is uh one of a kind, man. Love that, <laughs> love that dude. Um <laughs> and by the way, you you ripped your 236 for everybody at home at CIM, your Olympic trials qualifier. Actually, your second Olympic trials, you qualified for two. But I was out there at CIM. Um, And I had a really, I had a really dear friend, um, Kaisa, whose dad had passed away, who was like her, you know, running guru and just supported her so much and loved her relationship with running and was like her biggest fan. And when he passed she just got this uh, inspiration that she wanted to run CIM for him. And she wanted to to get a BQ and she'd run Boston before. And, you know, the race was closed out. (laughs) there was like no more entries. And she's like, you know, everybody, Ron, you could get me in the race. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know anybody (laughs) at CIM. I ran it like, you know, 20 years ago. And, you know, just as weird as the world can be, I literally just cold called the race director. I got him on the phone, told him the story. He got us entries. I came out. I ran with her. And as uh, as crazy as it was, um, I had run all six marathon majors that year. So only seven people in the world did it. So I was pretty fried. Like when I got out there, I was just like, I hope she doesn't really want to run fast. Like I hope she just wants to chill. And I think around 14 she was just feeling really good and she was so controlled and she just got a little ahead of me and I was just like, oh, this is good. I can just like hang out here and watch her. And then I, all, cause you know, CIM, it's a long straightaway and you're ripping 236. You are probably with a sick fast group, you know, running your time, but I could see her the whole way. And it was only maybe like the last mile or two where she got about I don't know, a minute or two ahead of me. And I I was happy because I knew if anything had happened, I'd see her, you know, there's nowhere for her to go. If she got stuck or got a cramp and she crushed it, she got a PR, she got her BQ. And then when it was over, we all hung out and partied. And then I did did the pod with Steve. So that is totally awesome. So we were chilling he met Kaiza. And you, you know, your mom cold calls Steve and says, "I want my daughter to run for UT." Oh, it's no problem. It's just like one of the biggest uh, track programs in the US really it's absolutely no problem. Hello, mom, let me just join the party here. Let's make this happen totally the best. Just you can't you can't make it up, man. it's the best. Mm-mm but yeah. he was looking out for you. Right. So he was that, that call got him to at least be aware of who you were, Right. And then you showed up and he must, I know, I know how Steve is. So Steve is a guy, he likes fiery people, man. He likes feisty people. He likes people oh, who are not afraid to mix it up and he will go to you and challenge you and push your buttons. And oh, I know. You know. so you, <laughs> oh yeah, you do know you ran for the dude for four years, but so that, that was a good fit for you, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find it interesting. So you had great success there. You enjoyed your experience. I mean, as far as running, was there any like special meets or NCA stuff or anything that you look back on, obviously, other than just having a wonderful opportunity to run for a great university?
0: Yeah. You know, I I had some, I guess, pivoting moments while I was there. I mean, I ran a really, at that time, running 35 for 10K was huge on the track. And I did qualify for the NCAA regional meet twice. So that was really big because it was like, you kind of never saw a walk on, be able to achieve that. I unfortunately never scored at the big 12 meets, but I I think I got ninth. I, th- I know when you score, you get eight. So it was a little bit disappointing, but I knew again that I was still representing, um, my team and I had such a, a strong connection with the girls on my team that that just meant so much to me that uh, I was even being able to train with these girls who were recruited from Texas, who were these fast girls that I used to like, that you name dropped and I was in awe and I'm here like running next to them. That was pretty dang cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that is a hell of an experience, man. Experience of a lifetime. And you know from high school running which i'm sure is still incredibly competitive in like the Austin area because it's such a, a a strong sports area um, and can, strong in everything period music food we got it all going on down in the ATX man i'm yeah, i'm due do. i'm due for another visit to go hang hang out with some of my rogue buddies and you know just check <laughs> in man i miss everybody who doesn't who doesn't miss travel and racing and just like coming down to party but um, what, a, what an awesome experience. So, you go from like, a, you know, literally just joining high school running, like almost halfway through, to like walking on to UT, a major, major university that's competing for like NCAA championships. You meet the Sisson man, your role with him, and then you transition now to working with uh, Coach Steve Magnus, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So talk about that a little, because he's, uh, he's an amazingly well-known coach, uh, with yeah. great, great results and talk a little about how that's worked for you. Like, when did you start, um, working with Steve actually?
0: So I was with Sisson for my first four years of college. And then, um, after that, uh, I've been with Sisson for a total of nine years. So I was, I think at that point, his longest athlete he had. And then in 2016, My husband and I for like a hot second lived in Houston and I just kind of wanted to change because I actually did take a running hiatus for about nine months. And when I was wanting to get like my itch back into running, I decided I was like, well, maybe I should like try a different coach. I love Sisson. I think he's great. And we did so well together, but I just needed a change because I've never had, I've only had two coaches ever, my high school coach and, and Steve. So we, my husband and I just made a decision, like maybe we like talk to Steve Magnus. He has really good results and he's here in Houston. Cause like I said, we were there and, uh, I sent him an email and told him I was very interested and he immediately sent me one back and said that he was interested and he wanted to meet for coffee to talk more. And I was like, yes. So that's how it started.
1: Great, and what and you said so like nine years with Steve, eight nine mm-hmm. years, and did you say twenty sixteen? You started working with yeah. okay, so yeah, so you've got now got a bunch of years together with Steve Magnus, and you know they're um, both amazing coaches. Obviously, both have ama- incredible resumes, but obviously very different like personality styles. So um, sure. you know sometimes it it's just what we need. And first off, you were in Houston, so you were in a different place, and um, I personally understand that wanting to like be in the room with somebody once in a while and obviously i have a podcast now with zoom and here we are we can wave to each other and chat and you can break dance later if you want um and my dog can maybe make an appearance later if she wants to sometimes she jumps up on my lap at the end of episodes you know it really depends right now she's kind of snoring over here um (laughs) but i think the cool thing is like um, you had a great high school coach, someone who influenced you and had a a really positive impact on you. You had Sisson of course, and now you, you transition to somebody who's completely different, but you're in Houston. So I think it was like meant to be, you know, you were there and you, you went and you had coffee. So you connect and you know, like the work is the work. All right. I mean, I think that's one of the things I'd love you to talk about a little bit rather than me, you know, make assumptions on it. Like the work is the work you're going to run a certain amount of miles, you're going to do a long run at a certain pace, you're going to do some half marathon pace miles in there, marathon pace miles in there, whatever. You're going to scramble around the workouts, okay? They are what they are. Okay, what what's different is, you know, how well does the coach know how you're doing? How you're handling the volume, how you're handling life stresses, going through nursing school, you know, all of a sudden becoming a nurse during covid times. So like how are they adjusting to your life, having a new baby now. So talk a little bit about how that experience was for you. And like, you know, cause it was a new, you know, you had to start that relationship brand new with, uh, with coach Magnus.
0: Yeah. So without all that being said, me, me becoming a nurse at the time, he kind of knew not to, yes, he's very different than Sisson. And the fact that he knows that, um, he's, he's not as, a uh, what do you say? Just not as feisty as Steve, but he understands that now that I'm a prof- post-collegiate professional athlete, if you will, uh, um, trying to train, he knows that there's at least with me, he knew there was more, uh, more to life than running. So with that being said, he, I don't know the way, I don't know how to explain it, but just the way that he was able to train me in a way where, Hey, it's okay. If you don't, do this workout every Tuesday, Thursday. Like I understand because I sometimes have to do workouts on Wednesday, Friday, because that seems to work better. So the way that he was able to, and still is able to trust me and know that I can get stuff done. And we, we've has, we've established that relationship where he knows that, Hey, she has this whole history of being at UT have been, you know, professional for a little bit. And now she's with me. Like he kind of like knew me already without me even, even like really asking me, and even Steve Sisson had told me like, "Hey, if you want Ma- Magnus to call me or like let me know anything about you or like need to describe to him about you and and as an athlete, I like tell him to call me. I'll be more than willing to talk to him about you." And so I so I told Magnus, and Magnus is like, "Oh no, I don't need that. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna judge it on my own. I'm gonna see how you are as an athlete on my own." So it just he's and he's such a smart guy. So he was able to figure a lot of things out um, just watching me train.
1: That's fantastic. Um, and I think there's a lot of amazing running coaches that have platforms today. I mean, you got McCurdy Train Group and uh, Brendan O'Leary's a friend of mine. It's O'Leary Racing Team and you have Greg McMillan and, and you have Magnus and Steve and all there's just some of the best coaching available out there for any runner and you can take it on on your own and you can have you know something like sage Kennedy write you custom workouts and you know they'll do a zoom call with you he's not going to be in person where he's going to go watch you do a track workout maybe or something and i think that's one of the really neat things um that can exist you know like rogue has such a strong presence like in austin and you know if you got to roll at 5 30 in the morning and do crazy track workouts or long runs with pace or i went down there that's how i met sisson Um, believe believe it or not. Um, so we were like the rogue running podcast training group. We were like his first, like experimental lab rat thing to see. Could he coach runners like remotely that were listening to his podcast and just get them to like, you know, have a good energy and kind of connect the way rogue teams were able to in your area down in Austin. And I nicknamed us the Renegades because we were we were renegades for sure. And so Steve, you know, kept talking about we do this thirty mile no nutrition run, and I'm just like, uh, I'm like, I'm, I'm I'm gonna come down to Austin to do the run. And Steve's like, What the fuck are you talking about? You're gonna come down here? I go, Yeah, I'm gonna come down. He goes, like, You're gonna fly to Austin to come down and run a thirty mile no nutrition run? I go, Dude, man, it'd be cool to meet you, man. I want to meet some of the rogues, and I'm just gonna sh- show up and do it. And it was the coolest thing I ever did. Um, wow. because, you know, the run was the run, like, wait, how can this dude talk for 30 miles straight and not shut up? I'm like, Hey man, some of us are just born to talk, man. <laughs> so that's why me and always hit it off. But I met Amanda and so many people that I'm sure, you know, yeah. you know, that are part of team rogue. And that's why I met him in person. I mean, I kind of knew them all on Instagram already, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was just such a, I love the energy of that group and you know, how long they've stayed together and how everybody's invested, you know, in each other but it is such a huge difference. Like, so you're trying to do something uniquely different. And what you're doing now is the very opposite of that, right? Cause you're not tapping into that group of showing up and maybe doing the work with Amanda and this person and that person, you're literally being coached by Magnus. You're doing your own thing and your life has changed remarkably. So talk about if you can, how different it is training with a, even though Sisson was your coach, you still had access to those other people to kind of do some of the work with. And I know that I I see you shaking your head. So I know you're, you're, you're tracking with me. Talk about how that is different for you now. And is it better? Is it worse? Just talk about it a little bit.
0: I love that. I have some, like you were saying, I, I, I kind of tip my toe into each running group here. The Austin community running community is amazing there's i could like text 10 different people tomorrow and i'd have someone to run with at at least five people to run with tomorrow if i wanted to because i have so many and built so many relationships with people from rogue people from the loop running supply um just other random fasties that are here in austin that are kind of like me like have their own coach i actually don't know if anyone has their own own coach like myself but there is another group that um, has a lot of, you know, post-collegiate athletes that I can train with. And I love that. I, I think in order to, I don't know, just to give back to the community, I think I need to show up and run with not just one particular person, but run with so many different people that look up to me and I look up to as well as runners and just we're all trying to get each other better at the end of the day. So uh, it's awesome here. I love training here.
1: Love it. It's a great answer because, you know, you're a free agent now, if you will, right. It's the best, uh, you know, thing I can think of as far as a description, but you're able to tap into because you're a free agent. So you have the coach, you have the workouts. You also have a structure that's giving you the flexibility and, you know, any great coach anyone who's really has a tremendous relationship with their athlete, that's one of the first things you have to make sure that comes across. Hey, if you can't do this tempo run on Thursday because you're fried, it's not going to happen. Now, giving an athlete the power, empowering them enough to say, you know what, Allison, it's your call. You want to swap that workout or if that workout really matters to you, because I know me, I would never miss a long run. It just it's just not going to happen because long runs are in my blood. So church in a long run, man, it's it, yeah. you don't miss it. So, and it doesn't matter whether it's just a slow on your feet run or is it a no nutrition run or is it tempo miles, marathon miles, whatever's happening in that run, I'm not going to miss that. But there's other runs that I'll be like, you know, I don't need a tempo run this week. I'm okay. I mean, I'll just, I'll skip that. Or I'm going to skip the long run this week because I really feel like I need some lactate threshold work. But you have the ability to then take- this custom individual, you know, being able to move things left, right, or center, but you got the athletes that you can tap into. And it's a deep pool. It's a seriously deep pool of talent. So that's like the best of all worlds. That's great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Although it is being a hard being a woman here because there's, there's not many women to train with here. So I'll just like tag along a guy that I know can pace me very well. And it's just awesome. Like I said, just having that community here. And most of us, I mean, a, quite a few of us qualified for the trial. So we had a pretty good group. So that just makes it even sweeter.
1: Yeah, I, I was there. Um, <laughs> so I was in Atlanta and I was supposed to be flying to Tokyo. Um, so I was one day from going to Tokyo to go back and get my second six-star medal from Abbott. And I love Japan. Um, I love traveling there for business and I love racing there and I love the culture. I just love everything about it. It's just such an, a spectacular place to go. And I know you were supposed to run in a marathon in Japan with some other um, fasties from down your way. Uh, I think Kate and some other runners from down there were supposed to run in that marathon. So um, if you get the chance again, if you get that opportunity again, I can tell you firsthand, take it because it's, a, it's, just, <laughs> it's a remarkable um, country to visit. It's the cleanest place I've ever been. It's just so amazing to see these temples that are thousands of years old and, and learn about you know, how they designed the wooden floors in the center where the emperor lived that they would creak intentionally if somebody somehow got through all oh, wow. the defenses that they got inside, it would intentionally make noise to like wake them up or alert them as like the oh, last wow. warning. So um, what an amazing uh, experience going there a few times, but I was one day from going, the flight cancels, the whole COVID thing is starting. Atlanta, the race you ran in your second trials, becomes the last real race that happens anywhere. I mean, not I mean, not that other races didn't happen, but come on, they were not of the magnitude of a New York City marathon, the Atlanta Olympic trials. They were not on that order. They were small, and even um, the ultra community, which usually they'll go forward, mostly all of their races canceled as well, unless they were really small trail races with really small fields, they got canceled. So I pivoted, you talked about pivoting before, I was like, you know what? I'm not going home. I was ready to travel. My bags are packed. I'm going down to Atlanta. I'm going to go check out the trials. And it's the best decision I ever made in my life because I got to be down there. I got to go to the race hotel and see all my friends from New York who qualified, just like you had a big group in Austin. Um, and that's not, not the only runners I knew. I knew people from Seattle. I knew people from all over that I trained with or follow. And just to be part of that energy, I didn't run, but to be part of that energy, to just soak that in and to see the men and women smiling with their credentials on around their around their neck, you know, and be walking to those elite athlete meetings and Atlanta track club, the remarkably good job that they did putting the logistics together for that race to have like literally like thousand bottles or whatever the crazy number was around those tables that you were all custom decorating. And it all came together. And the course was a beast, the weather... Did not cooperate with the wind tunnels were like blowing, like seemingly always in your face at every single turn, just chewing up even the strongest runners I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was just, it was bananas, man. Um, So, but you have to tell us about your Atlanta experience, but it would just, it wouldn't be right for us to go to Atlanta first because you actually qualified for the trials before that.
0: Yes but LA was nowhere near compared to the experience I had in Atlanta. You're right. Atlanta Track Club nailed it. They did a phenomenal draw, job getting us all set up and just setting everyone up for success. I mean, like I was able to get a banana like and I remember in LA I had I had vomited and my husband had asked the people at the tent if I could get a banana because I had vomited and they're like, "Oh no, like she can't." And it was just it was just pretty it's kind of a bummer that that was my first uh, Olympic trials experience in L in LA, but to be able to run in Atlanta was just, was amazing and just made just, they went out of the water. I mean, just, it was amazing. And not to mention my husband's from Atlanta. So I, my husband's family got to see me. So I had a huge group and my parents and it was, it the support was amazing. My race itself was terrible. So
1: <laughs> hey, I, I have to tell you, almost every person that I've ha- had on that ran there, I mean, it's just it just beat the living hell out of all of them. Um, there were I've had a few people on that actually ran somewhat close to what they had hoped for. Uh, some didn't even finish at all because um, quite a few people didn't finish. You know this. Um, and certainly when you get to the upper end of the elites, which, you know, you understand the difference of what they're competing for, because for them, many times there becomes that decision when they're in 18th or 20th place at like the 18 mile mark, and they realize they could try to qualify for the 10,000 meter trials, you know, a track town or somewhere else, you know, in the back of their mind, they're like, I'm not doing this anymore. And that doesn't mean they're weaker than you, me or anyone else or softer or anything like that. It just means. They're having to make a business decision or maybe even this is a discussion that they've had with their coach. Like literally, hey, you know what? You know, they're out there watching their athletes and might be just saying, you know what? Pull it in, man. It's time to go. You're going to qualify in the 5,000 and the 10,000 and you're going to run in Tokyo. And again, who could have known that Tokyo was going to be pushed out a whole year from there? I mean, literally no one had any idea what was going on. Yeah. Uh, So, so cool that you had your husband's families from there. So you had a big contingent. Were they like all over the course?
0: I mean, they tried to be, they had signs for me and everything. And I mean, it was awesome. Like just, (laughs) just having that, knowing that, oh, they're here for me. Like this is freaking cool. And I'm excited to see where the next trials is going to be, man. That's exciting to hear.
1: What do you think the number is going to be?
0: You know, I was actually talking about that this morning. For women, I think that it it might be 242. I think it should be 242. Personally, uh, I don't really have an A standard because I think if you're in, you're in. But that's I think it's what it should be, 242.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good number. That's a good guess. Um, I don't think they're going to drop it too much because I think they love the fact that there was such a huge contingent of women there. And it's great for the sport. It's great promotion. Um, it's great energy. And I mean, it was crazy. I mean, you had women out there that were running that were they looked like they were ready to deliver their babies. There was a couple of them that were out there. And I was just yeah. like, wow, this is <laughs> unbelievable, man. This is this is awesome beyond belief. <laughs> but we were all over that course, man. It was just, it was just the energy was like crazy.
0: It, it was, I was like crying, like running because it was so cool. Like just thinking about how like the masses of people just yelling in your face, people don't even know who you are and they're cheering for you. And it's, it was amazing.
1: I, I think that's one of the exceptional things about the trials is everybody has their name on their on their singlet, and that's a nice change. And even if you are really at the upper end of elite, sure, you're gonna you're gonna have your name on your bib more times than not. But a lot of those women and men that ran in that race, it may have been their very first time. It may have been their second time or their third time, and certainly not in a race that big. They may have had it in like the Pittsburgh Marathon, where they're from, where they're expected to win or maybe have a shot to be top 10, and they've got their name. But it's a big difference when you're out there rolling with the best women and the best men in the world, and the television cameras are on, and it's the Atlanta Track Club, and the Olympics are on the line. So it was, uh, it was just intense in the best possible way and the crowds were awesome i mean the crowds were like so juiced and so into it and um like i said the the wind the wind was brutal man
0: yeah it was pretty bad
1: (laughs) yeah didn't it feel like it was in your face the whole time
0: yes and i found myself i have pictures of me leading a pack and i'm just thinking like i'm not doing anyone like i'm not being helpful to anyone behind me because i'm so short like i'm 5'1 like someone trying to to go behind me isn't. I'm not doing anything. Like the wind's hitting me, but it's also hitting you because I'm very tiny.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you weren't going to do the Kipchoge move when he like turned around and just yeah, bla- right. blasted Galen Rupp like you never see Kipcho- Kipchoge ever get mad. He just like gave him the look like dude, what are you doing, man? Get the hell out of here, man. Get off my heels. That's like I think I'll just drop a fourteen thirty five five k in it at thirty five k and say goodbye, everybody. I'll see you guys later. Oh, and then he's standing around at the finish line. Like he just did like a 20 mile training run at like eight minute pace. Like they're all keeled over. They're laying on the ground, cramping, hobbling away. And he's like got his Kenyan flag wrapped around him. Like with the, with the 10,000 megawatt smile, like, Hey, what's up everybody.
0: Yeah. I just went on my, you know, my jog, yeah. my 26 mile jog. You know?
1: <laughs> there you go. There you go. Awesome. So Atlanta was an amazing experience, maybe not the day you wanted, but that was the case for literally, I I mean, other than Alafine and, and Molly and a handful of other people and Galen and, you know, most people, you know, even, even Dez, you know, one spot off and fighting so hard, but just could not, couldn't close in the end and make that gap up. So that's, um, you know, so you've had two experiences for a young runner to run two Olympic trials. That's pretty awesome, man. That's pretty, and also pretty rare. Yeah. Thank you. So what are you thinking of right now? Obviously you're getting you, getting your sea legs in the pediatric nursing business, getting acclimated to that new baby at home, six months. What, what are you looking at for like running right now? Like, is it just, just straight enjoyment for right now? Stroller miles, or are you actually like have something in mind? Like, okay, it's time that it's time to roll again. It's time to get serious.
0: It's the latter. I definitely want to get started rolling again. I also want to give myself grace and my body grace for what it did. It did an amazing thing and made a human, which I, I've never happened before to me. So this is all new and being able to kind of get back into running a little, I actually started running three weeks postpartum, maybe a little too early, but I just kind of Every week just kind of chipped my way a little bit into running. And sometimes like some weeks I didn't run. I was kind of doing more CrossFit stuff. But as of late, honestly, the Olympics being uh, in July really kind of jolted me a little bit like, dude, if you want to make 2024 you trials, you got to get started again. So just kind of seeing the Olympics, the track, the marathon just kind of jolted me a little bit in a like feisty way. Like I'm ready to get back. So I am, I kind of jumped into a little workout last week with one of my girlfriends and I'm, I'm kind of just chipping my way each day. Every day is a new day. I never really know what, how much I'm going to run. It's kind of by feel, but definitely when it gets cooler, (laughs) I want to be running. Um, I want to think about my next race, which I think I'll, I'll probably race next, next spring is what I'm leaning towards. I think that's enough time, but Right now, I, I'm, I'm definitely trying to enjoy it, but also like I'm ready to roll. I really am. I'm really antsy right now.
1: (laughs) Love it. So the juices have started flowing, which is what you want because you can't force this. As you said, you just, you just had your first baby. I mean, you went through all of that. Um, You know, postpartum is real. I've had a number of guests come on and talk about it. So there's so much emotion going on and. Um, figuring out where everything fits, um, and figuring out how your body feels and why it doesn't feel the way it used to, or how long is it going to take if it ever feels like it used to? And then just what does running feel like now? And then, you know, the miles and the stroller, um, but all of a sudden the Olympics, Um, sometimes that's just what we need. We need something to ignite us. And, you know, even though it was annoying as hell half the time that on Instagram, you already know who won a race and you haven't even watched it yet. It's like, are you kidding me? If I find out one more result before I get to watch it, I'm going to like lose my mind. It's like, thank you. I know who won the 5,000 meters and I know who set a world record. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, can I watch one of these races without knowing the result? Um, But it did get the juices flowing. I know I know what you speak of and what's unique which has never happened before because of covid is we're not four years away we're three years away because of the extended year with tokyo being pushed out 12 months so you don't have quite as much time but in a way i actually would think that's better if it was me and i was in your shoes and i was competitive and had run it you know and maybe not had my best race but had run an incredible race at 236 at cim to get there. And that is your current PR, right? Yes. Yes. And do you have a marathon in the spring picked out? Have you talked about this with, uh, with Magnus or are you guys just like, look, kind of going to let it come and, you know, do some work along the way.
0: Yeah. Kind of let it come. It's, you know, I've kind of thought about maybe doing grandma's next June even, cause that gives me even more time. It's just hard because I know that, we, we have like a short window of when the Austin weather is amazing. And that window is, is from like November till like maybe April. And so it kind of, I know I thought about Houston marathon in January, but then I was like, ah, I don't know. There's too many unknowns, but I definitely have been eyeing something. I feel like there needs to be something on the calendar that kind of just is like, okay, let's, let's, we have it here. Let's start training. Um, but right now I don't have anything definitive.
1: Got it. Got it. Well, did you see that London is now announced for fall marathon again next year because of COVID? So London is usually one week after Boston. Um, It's usually six days apart or it's 13 days apart because Boston's always on the Monday. It's on Patriots Monday. But they announced their... um, Because I'm running London October 3rd. It's the World Age Group Championship. So it's for masters, runners, everybody from 40 up through whatever your age group category. But it's a big deal um, to get to run in that first world age group championships. And I'm bummed that not everyone can come. It'd be like you making the Olympics and then half the country is just saying, well, we're not going to come. It'd be like, what? I mean, I want to run against everybody. Um, so it's it's a weird, it's it'll be a lesser reduced field because people won't be able to fly from certain countries. But they did announce their race is not going to be in April next year. It's going to be October. But October probably wouldn't work for you because it's early October, which means you'd be training through the heat of the summer. Yeah. Grandma's grandma's I'm trying to think if there's anything else I can think of. I think grandma's is probably your best bet. Cause Houston's January. There really isn't anything I I'm, unless I'm thinking of something, unless you want to go do an international one, which, you know, you might be able to do like Frankfurt or something like that. There's some fast international marathons and, and Steve knows, I mean, Magnus knows every place and he could get you you know, on the, on the line and within a lead bib anywhere. So, you know, he's connected yeah. with all that stuff.
0: I, I even honestly, cause I qualified with my halftime too. I honestly just thought like, let me just run a really fast half and then just train for like another marathon, like just train for a na- marathon, kind of have like that no stress mentality. Like, okay, I already got my qualifier. Let me just try to run a fast marathon. Like don't care what time it, the year it is. And then run the trials again. I mean that was kind of what I was thinking. I was like, I don't, I don't mind running a, a fast 13.1.
1: <laughs> so where where was your fast half? Where did you run?
0: I ran indie monumental half in 2018 and I I won it too. And I I got I ran 11247. So Damn. not Damn. knowing that
1: 11247, I- <laughs> that is like seriously blitzing it. 11247 so 224 I'm thinking you got a 231 232 233 is right there right there in the offering for you that's what I'm thinking
0: and that hopefully that was so that was leading up to CIM in 2018 so I actually qualified in in November 2018 at Indy and then I jokingly asked my husband, I was like, Do I still need to run CIM? He's like, Yes, you need to run the marathon. You need to run the race, you're actually gonna run. And so I ended up running 236. But it was very I, I think I probably could have run a little faster, but Steve and I were being very conservative because it was my third true it was my third marathon, and we wanted to have a good experience. So like I just knocked down six minute pace, like on the nose and just I had a, he wanted me to have a good marathon experience to to not be scared of it because it's a scary race. But <laughs> and I'm a little terrified of it since Atlanta, but just he wanted me to have just a good experience and and just have a different mindset about it.
1: I like it. So what did you learn from that? Um, because it can be terrifying. It only takes one screw up out there. A bad nutrition day, you know, going out too hard, all of the the many, many things can happen to us, you know, that really leaves that that scar tissue, you know, the stigma. What's the say what's what's their saying? The marathon always wins. That's another sis and oh, saying from somewhere has. along the The marathon does always win. We know that.
0: She, she's evil. Yeah. She's so evil. And yet I'm I still want to defeat her. And sometimes I do, sometimes I don't.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but you but you're feisty, which we like, and you're yeah. not afraid. You're not gonna back down. So you're gonna you're gonna get back in the ring, man. That's what it's all about. And I like the approach that you took with CIM together with your coach because You need a win. You have to have a win. And a 236 is a big win. I mean a 236, 15. So you know, you're you're like under six minute pace for the run. That's under six. I know my numbers, I know my times, (laughs) and you destroyed my half PR. My half PR is like 114.42 and you ran 112. What? 112. (laughs) What did you run? (laughs)
0: 11247. <laughs> that's
1: bananas. That's like, is that like 530? I think it's 533. I, I almost nailed yeah. it. Not bad. No pace <laughs> calculators. <laughs> no five thirty-three. Girl, that is that's big time. Now, what's the indie course like? What what what's it like?
0: It's pretty flat. I if I do recall, there might be like a hill in there. The only thing I remember was that like the the street was kind of like, I don't know, they had there's was a lot of, um, potholes and uh, you had to like really pay attention to the road because you could have easily twisted your ankle if you, if you ha- weren't, but luckily it was just me and another guy. There was actually a pacer out there who was like, Hey, I'm going to go the half marathon, the Olympic trials halftime. Uh, if anyone wants to run with me, great. And I was the only one that was able to stay with him, but I was definitely like looking on the ground. Cause I had some close calls.
1: Yeah. Always a good idea. And if you ever venture into the trail ultra world, man, you better really be looking closely, man, yeah. because <laughs> you'd be kissing rocks really quickly. And it's just like, <laughs> what am I doing out here, man? I'm gushing blood. Um, so I'm just curious, um, you have this great experience with CIM, you, you crush a super fast, you know, half. Like, do you think it's more about working on mindset with with Magnus from here? Like you guys working on game plans and mindset. And just your resolve, because obviously you have the toughness, you know, to stay in there and grind. I don't think that's even in question.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely. Just especially now, like, I think I have a different perspective. I know I'm tough. I birthed a baby now, so And they say that pregnant or postpartum women get a little faster. So I'm hoping that kind of helps me a little bit. (laughs) Um, And just like, I don't know, I'm also... I also am not with rabbit anymore. So I just want to be able to get back to like, just from the ground and build myself up because I want to run for myself. Like all this stuff that I'm telling you about that I want to do is not for a sponsorship, not for the likes it's for myself. So just really just going in with, yeah, a different mindset and just knowing like, I am a mom now, this is a, a hobby that I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at I just want to see how much my body can push its limit and not have any other pressures, external pressures put on me.
1: Love it. Um, sometimes being unencumbered allows you to be, you know, you're freewheeling, man. It's like house money. It's free money. You're not worried about rabbit or Hoka or Wazelle or whomever, you know, there's so many great sponsors out there, particularly that support women's running, um, and really are promoting that and they're doing great things, but You know, sometimes it does have the opposite effect, and everyone processes that stuff differently. Um, There's people that can go out there and say, like, when Jorgensen did, who won a gold medal, you know, in triathlon, you know, hey, I want to win the Olympic marathon. Well, people are like ripping her and shooting her down for that. And I'm just like, people. Chill the fuck out. Like, <laughs> yeah. what, what is not cool about this? Somebody just coming out and actually saying what they wanna do and just like owning it? That doesn't mean you're going to do it. I don't think she basically told everyone, oh yeah, I'm going to win this. She said she wanted to win. You wanted to win a gold medal. So, um, So sometimes when people put that stuff out there, they put more pressure on themselves. It comes on top, shoulders, weighs them down, injuries come, stress comes, times go down, and it goes backwards. Other people have the ability to kind of tap into that collective energy and be like, I can feed off this. I can feed off this beast. So it sounds like you're not that kind of person. It sounds like you're more, I need to know why I'm doing this. And it's one of the things I love getting into is like people need to understand their why. They need to understand what are they doing this for? You know, what are you getting up at 4.30 in the morning for? Or in my case, I run late at night when it's sometimes midnight or later just because that's the only time, you know, some sometimes when I can fit it in. Um, but you have to understand that. And people think their why is, I want to qualify for the Boston Marathon. No, that's not a why. That isn't <laughs> anything even resembling a why. Okay, or I want to run in Olympic trials. No, I, it doesn't mean it isn't cool as hell to do it, but it's not your reason, man. It's not your purpose. And so if you're figuring that out or honing it or sharpening it and trying to take the external pieces that might be like weighing your clarity on that, um, it's it's not going to be good for you in the long term. So I like the fact that you have trying to like put real focus on that and figure it out because we do need to know. We need to know what's up because your daughter's way too young. You're not running for her at this point. I mean, sure, you're going to want to make every person on earth wants to make their children proud. There's no one. There is no one out there. You don't have to be a mom. Believe me, I I would always think about that when I'd be out there running. I want to make my son proud. I want him to know I ran this great time in Boston. He doesn't care about my times in Boston. (laughs) He's 23 years old now, and he's a good runner. He was captain of his high school team. Um, But that's why it's got to be for you. Okay, mm-hmm. not for your husband, you know, mm-hmm. not for your siblings, not for your mom and dad. Um, even if they're the ones who got you into it, it's got to be more deeply personal, right?
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. So good stuff going on for you. Big things coming down the pike. You'll figure out the timing. I think you might have to go international if you don't go. Yeah. If you don't go, grandma's. Um, I'm. I'll think about it some more what's it, what's out there. There might be Valencia. There's some really fast international marathons, um, in terms of course field. Um, Roberta Groner, I know pretty well from New Jersey and she's also coached by oh, Steve yeah. Magnus. So, um, I know Roberta did, I'm trying to think if it was Frankfurt. She did a couple of international ones where, um, Steve helped. And then she also has, I think, Steve Ha, works with that same agent i'm trying to think what his name is he's a good guy um he always helps roberta you know get into races and do different things helps her with her travel um, his name i'm blanking on at the moment but yeah there's those opportunities you know you're you've got the times you know you got yeah. the you got the creds to uh to get in there so good stuff yeah
0: i hope so <laughs> i Come hope on. i can uh, in.
1: <laughs> of course So uh, one question I always ask, and I love to know, I know you have like the feistiness, the competitiveness, the spirit, like, where do you think it comes from?
0: I mean, I'm super stubborn. I know it's very innate. (laughs) 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 I don't know. Maybe my mom or my dad, I don't, I think I did mention, which hands down, probably my grandpa, because my grandpa Mendez is one of the hardest working people I've ever, I've ever met. And he has that grit about him that I've seen. I mean, even in that picture that I posted about him running the Boston 1980, like there's even my parents see like that same face in me that they saw in that picture of him. And it's just, I mean, a, a family just a family thing that we have. I don't know. I, I work really hard. I, I think I am talented, but I also work my butt off. So I want people to know that it's with, through hard work, you can achieve anything if you really set your mind to it. And my parents never pushed me into running. They just wanted to watch me enjoy it. And then I ended up really liking it. So now that they've seen that they, they never drilled me. They, 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 I I think I'm going on a a ramp of tangent right now, but just being able to, um, kind of keep the family running gene going. Cause I think after me, there's really no one. So, um, maybe Molly, but I'm not going to push her. So.
1: That's great. You didn't, you really didn't go off course much at all. I mean, you know, so it could be from a couple of people, but it's, it's probably likely from your grandpa. That's where it sounds like it's the most rooted in terms of the toughness, the fieriness, competitiveness. But yeah, I mean, it's, it generally can come from more, more than one place. And, you know, legacy is important, you know, and there's no way, it doesn't matter how young you are, the minute you have a child or you have children, you immediately think of everything in a very different context. So yeah, you want to, you want to have that live on. And I know, I mean, I'm, I'm so much further ahead of this whole curve, you know, than you or most of the guests I talk to, but you know, my son's 23, his mom was a 253 marathoner. I coached her, you know, uh-huh. and, um, you know, I ran a, a bunch of two forties and, um, you know, in my mid thirties, which is when I started running, I was a college baseball player. So I started way later than you, um, and just fell in love with the sport and still love it. I'm, you know, I'm in the 125th Boston. I ran in the hundredth Boston. So think about how crazy that is. And, you know, um, so legacy is important, but my son was a good high school runner, but if we even thought about asking him to run with us when he was like 10, 12, he'd just look at us with the dagger. I was like, what? And then when he got to high school, he's like, Hey dad, you think you could help me like get in shape to try for cross country? Because I think I'm going to run cross country freshman year. And I was just like, what did you just say? Was wow. this my son just said that? Like, you want me to train you? And he's like, yes, because I I was his baseball coach, his travel baseball coach. And oh, wow. um, yeah, so those were amazing years. And, you know, from the time he was like six, you know, with like t-ball all the way through, you know, getting off to high school and Yeah. I mean, those running years are priceless, but he's not running now. He's really into him and his girlfriend going on these hikes and they go to the mountains and they're out there for like five, six, seven hours. So he's really fit. He's just, he's not running. But you know what? Someday he'll come back. He, He doesn't run. He runs, but he's not training. He's not racing like he did in high school. But someday... And I always tell them, don't wait too long because I want to run New York with you one day or I want to run Boston (laughs) with you, but we'll see, man. And, you know, Molly, she's got a lot of time. So, you know, we don't have to worry about her yet. So she's good. Uh, Another question I love to ask people, particularly, I really started to think about this a lot during the pandemic because you know, everybody's faced some sort of hardship. Some of us way more like losing multiple family members, but, you know, darkest hole you ever dug out of. And it doesn't have to be about the pandemic, it just is something tough in life that came at you or that you struggle with. And like, how did you work your way through it?
0: Uh, Okay. So when my husband and I lived in Houston for that hot second, 15 months. We don't, I don't even count it. I, I count that. I lived in Austin this whole entire time. I was actually going through depression and anxiety because I was in a really tough nursing program. That was 15 months, 15 months. You get your bachelor's like in nursing. That's amazing. That sounds great. Right? No life. So with that being said, and that's kind of where I was saying, I, I did like my nine months running hiatus because I couldn't run. I didn't have time to run. I was studying all the time. So my husband was like watching me, just like constantly study. Like barely have enough time for him, and just kind of seeing me go down this dark hole because I felt like my grades were suffering because of it. I was I was medicated. I was seeing a psychiatrist, and I was trying to get those you know testing accommodations to get more time. And it's just like I felt like I just kept digging myself deeper into this hole that I just couldn't go get out of. And you know, and and I. Obviously just felt hopeless. And so then we kind of, it came time to renew our lease for the following year. And I just said, I don't want to live here anymore. I want to move back to Austin. Like, I I don't want to go. I don't want to finish school here. I want to go. So I want to go back to Austin. And we had a, a really good nursing program here in Austin that, uh, I think it was just all meant to be, you know, my husband and I left Houston, I handed them my application packet at at ACCS, where I went to for nursing school. I got accepted in October and I immediately started. So I just felt like everything kind of just fell into place. And I, I ended up getting back into running as soon as I moved here. Like I was able to have a life outside of nursing. I think it's important to to focus on your profession or whatever you want to do, but you also want to focus. You also want to have your hobby too, your outlet. And now that, and and then that's, you know, when, when Steve and I were really remote because I moved back to Austin, I was running so much better and I was, I was actually running. Like I was able to get the workouts in and still do really well in nursing. So I just, I had a really healthy balance and it's, we were meant to come back to Austin. So I'm very glad that I'm back.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing that story. Um, We can all get buried at some point um, and things can just become too overwhelming. Um, And that was before even COVID, let's say, Um, you know, with the, the rigor and the stress and all the hours required for the study and, you know, putting pressure on yourself for what you need to test and scores you're gonna get and to get past. And, you know, like you said, I just, we've just met today, but obviously Austin is your place. That's your place, man. Um, you're a Texas gal, as you said, but no, it's Austin. It's all about Austin. So Houston, Houston's cool. I like Houston, but that's just not, that's not where you're at home or comfortable. Um, and for me, it's like New York city for a really long time, but now I'm on the other side of the river, but I'm a four minute ferry ride across. So I have the best of all worlds. I get to run Uh and see the lower skyline on my side or take the ferry across and go to that side. So it's like, although it's not as far apart as Houston and Austin for you. So for you Mm -hmm. going back home, finding that other nursing program to finish it off and then coming back to running was the thing that kind of all those elements together pulled you from a tough spot, a really dark spot to back to being you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So good stuff. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I always ask people before we get to the end of a show, anything to do with community service, something that's important to you or something you think about, even if you're not doing it now, maybe someday in the future, um, something that just appeals to you, has an interest for you, um, that you might want to get involved with at some point or have already gotten involved with.
0: I definitely try. And that's funny you bring that up because I actually saw on Instagram that our Austin half and full marathon has an ambassador program. And I thought about maybe participating in that because it's a way for me to give back. It's, I mean, my hometown race essentially, and it, it's always held in February of every year. And sometimes I race it. Sometimes I don't, I think I've, I, I won it. I think I've won the Austin half twice. I'm never going to run the full ever, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I just thought about maybe like, Oh, I could do it be an ambassador because like people, most people know who I am and, um, previously, like I do try to volunteer at races and help out. So I try to give my give back in any way that I can and just know that I'm just a regular human too. Like there's nothing really special about me. I do the same thing you do. I wake up early cause I'm crazy. I go run early miles and I still hurt the same way other people do. So just kind of letting people know that like, I'm still human. I still, I still, I still, I'm, I'm, I'm the same, same as you. And, um, I think being super involved in the Austin running community, um, is very, it is just very, very awesome just cause it's, it's, I feel like new people move here every day. So just being a part of that growth is awesome.
1: That's a great way to tap into the community and give back. And, you know, you could, uh, do a talk, uh, Sponsor a, sponsor a run, do a shakeout run the day before the race, and then just when you finish the run, you know, have somebody, somebody will spring for coffee and bagels, some sponsor would, and just sit around and talk, you know, talk about your Olympic trials experiences, talk about going through nursing school, having a baby, like I guarantee every mom is going to want to hear <laughs> everything you have to say, and you're right, it's, it's a common thing that people say and think. Oh, she can run 532 pace for a half marathon. She must be like some superhuman freak or whatever. Um, No, she didn't start off running 532 per mile for 13 miles, man. A lot of work went into that, changing your body, developing aerobic, becoming an aerobic powerhouse and a monster. Like it's years and years of work. Um, But yeah, people do. They, They just have misconceptions about you know, really fit athletes, men and women all the time and just think it comes easy. Nothing comes easy. Nothing ever comes easy. There's always a lot of work. Um, So kudos to you. That's a good opportunity for you to give back and do some stuff in the the ATX community, which I know is uh, near and dear to your heart. So I just wanted to ask if there's anything we didn't get to that is near and dear to your heart, something that is like top of mind that you're thinking about that we didn't get a chance to talk about, because I want to make sure I give you the floor, you know, here before we, uh, before we roll out.
0: I don't, I don't think so. I can't think of anything. I just, there's so many unknowns about what the future holds. I mean, I don't even know if these rolled marathons are, I mean, I know they could be happening. I know some are being, you know, with the vaccine and all that. Um, it's just, we we live in a really crazy world right now, so Maybe one day we'll come back to normalcy and things will be good and people will be out not wearing masks and, you know, everything will be awesome. But other than that, no, I don't have anything else to say.
1: Okay. Well, you're right, man. There is so much uncertainty. Um, and, you know, running is something that can ground us all. Um, Whether you're my age at 60 or you're in your 30s or 20s and you're listening to the show, um, it's something that we can use to help with our anxiety our stress um to be goal oriented to want to transform our bodies or our minds whatever it might be um we can use this amazing uh gift it is a gift so never ever lose sight of that every person that i'm speaking to today who's going to listen to the show you never lose sight of it it only takes one major injury in your life i've been running for 30 years and never had a major injury And I had a stress fracture and I was out for four months. And when you can't run, when it's not an option because you're bitching about the weather because it's too hot or humid or it's too cold or it's too windy or it's rainy all the time or whatever nonsense you're putting out there when you put your Strava comments in for a run, just think about when you actually can't run. Um, Because that one experience like changed me forever. And I was always someone who's had a lot of gratitude for running and that's why i started the show to share people's stories because it will inspire another runner and then another runner so your story is going to inspire a lot of runners but um that's what we're here for man to share to pass it along to share some positive inspiration stuff and the difficult things that you come through that you shared with us with the audience today because it'll help somebody somebody out there go oh wow i'm not the only one who felt that way i've didn't realize that she had a situation like that. She was in a tough spot like that and moving to a place where she was more comfortable back home, doing the nursing stuff back home and getting back into running back in Austin, which is your place helped lift you back up and make you the person you are. And I always say the best version of ourselves. So, Mm -hmm. which is what running does. So I want to thank you, Allison, for sharing your awesome inspirational story to Olympic trials you know, crazy fast times, just like ripping 112s, 236s, (laughs) but faster things are out there. And I know you know it, man, it's going to be fun. (laughs) It's going to be fun to follow. So if you're not already following a mini cleaver, you know, make sure you get over there on Instagram. And of course I'll tag that. And if you have any, uh, if you do a blog or any web stuff or whatever, just send me that too. And I'll, I'll tag it in the show notes. So people know where to find you and follow you and see what you're up to. Awesome. And we close out every episode. We tell everybody to keep lacing them up, keep getting out the door. And like the sign says behind me, always remember to stay in the fight. Wow, that was such a fun episode. I just love Allison's energy, her fire, and her grit. She has such a wonderful spirit. And I'm just super excited to follow along in her journey as she's cutter ties with sponsors, um, wants to run stress and pressure free, and really get back to her roots of why she's running, running for herself, and going after even bigger goals, chasing even faster times. I'm here for it all, and I can't wait to watch it unfold as she shoots for running in a third successive Olympic trials marathon. That is really, really heady company. So kudos to you, Allison. On the great things you're doing with your running, and as a pediatric nurse, trying to help people out on the healthcare side, young humans, we certainly appreciate all of your endeavors in that area, and also uh, trying to tap into that ATX Austin running community to work uh, with athletes there and possibly give some talks at some races and just really uh, reach out into the community and try to have more influence on other mom runners. Um, And could have a big impact. I really think that could be a big thing for you to really just grow your base down there and just strengthen your following and also most importantly make you feel really good about yourself because anytime we're doing things from others, it always feels good. So let's keep doing more of that peeps in the Run Chats community. Let's keep sharing um, inspiring stories like Allison's. Let's keep recommending great guests for the show Let's find more people to subscribe to our channel so we can get more people involved because it's exciting what we got going on here. And as soon as my Run Chats pod swag comes out, I'm going to be sending out lots of stuff to loyal listeners, uh, people who are writing reviews, and certainly to the amazing guests like Allison who come on my show and share their super inspiring stories. I pretty much have the best job in the world. It doesn't pay me anything but it pays me in the best way of all which is huge energy and inspiration. So, thank you all for being part of the Run Chat's fam. And as we say at the end of every episode, keep lacing them up, keep getting out the door and always remember to stay in the fight, my friends. Peace out.